So how do we detect and recover Africa's lost billions? Finance Minister Praveen Gordon spoke about illicit financial flows today at a tax conference at the University of Pretoria. He says the continent must enforce its laws to protect jobs and provide critical social services to citizens. The finance minister joins us on the line. A very good afternoon to you, sir. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. So where do you start with with dealing with illicit financial flows? Well, in the the first instance, I think it's very good that uh, we have this conference. It uh, increases public awareness of the fact that there are these, let's call them nefarious forces (laughs) that are at play, uh, and, and that these kinds of phenomena, as you've been covering them, means that each country loses reasonably substantial amounts of money that could actually be used for the benefit of ordinary citizens. Uh, in terms of housing, uh, social security, uh, and economic development more broadly as, as, as well. So where you start is firstly recognizing the phenomenon, which everybody has. Secondly, understanding uh, the manner in which it actually works, which I think there's a better understanding globally uh, about how countries could, uh, and, and you've had a few clips now which have explained that, uh, the different mechanisms that companies can use to extract money. The Mbeki panel has uh, given some content that it could be up to $50 billion or more each year that you're losing uh, through illicit flows. But remember, there are other mechanisms as well, like uh, uh, what is now called transfer mispricing, uh, differences in customs valuations, under and over invoicing and so on, which is essentially used uh, as as different mechanisms to get money uh, out of uh, a particular country. Then, of course, uh, Western banks and uh, multinational companies and indeed their collaborators uh, amongst uh, governments in Africa or elsewhere in the world uh, are also crucial to... Uh, store the money, so to speak. So tax havens become quite important. And this has been brought to our attention in recent times by the exposure of the so-called Panama Papers, which shows how large amounts of money uh, are, are, in inverted commas, managed uh, in in very dubious ways and often illegal ways uh, for the benefit of the extremely rich in, in, in our society. Mm-hmm. But there are but there are complementary things as well. There are many com- global companies that don't uh, take the funds that they uh, and profits that they've made in a particular country back into the country uh, that that should be benefiting from that and in fact keep money offshore. So there's trillions of dollars that are kept offshore. Minister, uh, we, we've heard the problems in Nigeria around oil contracts and, and mispricing those oil contracts, which effectively steals money that's meant for development in Nigeria. How does it happen in South Africa? What contracts and what businesses are operating in these ways? Any, any import or export business uh, uh, could uh, engage in tra- what is called transfer mispricing and transactions within the same uh, broad company between one entity and another entity is another way that it could be done. Uh, The way in which uh, goods are valued, so, for example, uh, I supply from the outside to you on the inside 
a particular commodity and uh, let's say chairs and uh, those chairs are actually worth say 10 rands each so what i do is i value them at 100 rands each so you're going to pay me 100 rands uh externally and that's a way of getting 90 rands out of the country uh then there's uh tax money which uh, is uh, used or rather extracted through different kinds of tax evasion or aggressive tax practices and here again, professionals of one kind or another, accounting firms, uh, legal firms, financial advisors, uh, all begin to, as the Panama Papers have shown, uh, participate in, in enabling people to uh, undertake this, this sort of activity. Mm-hmm. Minister, I, I, I heard you speaking earlier today, say, you know, answering this question of how, how do we recover some of that lost billions? And you're saying that we need strong institutions. We, we need to enforce our laws, our policies, and we need good civil servants to do their jobs. I, is that possible? Does that environment exist while we have stories of state capture, corporate capture, this very cozy relationship that seems to be happening beyond South Africa between businessmen and our leaders? Can we trust governments? Can we trust businesses to bring back those lost billions? Well, you know, one of the lessons that uh, we need to learn from the Brexit uh, referendum and what is going on uh, in, in, in Europe in particular, but also elsewhere in the world, uh, is, is that ordinary citizens uh, are becoming fed up uh, of elites, be they business uh, elites or political elites. And uh, they're becoming fed up because ordinary people are not seeing the benefits of so-called GDP numbers. They're not seeing the benefits of growth. Uh, Their salaries uh, or economic situation or standard of living uh, is is not improving as as it should. So one of the things that we certainly need to do for future generations is to build uh, and maintain key institutions in the society uh, at appropriate levels of integrity, ensure that we allow public servants who work within those environments uh, and, and other professionals to uh, practice their job and their art uh, with the right level of ethics and integrity. Minister- now, th- these things, these mm-hmm. things don't work automatically. These, these are uh, areas of struggle, areas of development, and areas where citizens need to become involved Uh, so that we do the right thing for now and for the future. Mm. Minister, we're we're always talking about growth. The IMF is telling us we're growing at 0.1%. But, but, you know, no matter what growth we talk about, it seems to continue to fuel our inequality. 1% of the world have more than 90% of the wealth, and that gap seems to continue growing despite our economies growing. So how can the public who surely sit in the majority of that 90% who have no wealth, how can they help you in this exercise of identifying illicit financial flows and and blowing the whistle on them? Well, you know, the way it happens in the the tax world as I knew it is uh, that, you know, often people will notice uh, that their neighbor suddenly is having five cars instead of one, uh, buying a 10 million rand house instead of being able to afford a 1 million rand mm-hmm. house. Uh, and, and one thing then begins to, to lead to another. But secondly, the world has identified very clear ways uh, for uh, enforcement agencies, for example, tax authorities, justice departments, 
financial intelligence centers, the banking and other financial institutions, uh, all have now international rules by which they are required to, to actually operate. Uh, for example, uh, in, in the banking world is know your customer. Arising out of the papers, uh, it's about knowing what they call beneficial ownership. So what clever wealthy people do is to create 10 layers before you can actually find out who owns a particular mm. asset or who owns the last uh, stash of $100 million in some tax haven or the other. So today the world is agreed. We need to know beneficial ownership right down to the bottom uh, or to the ultimate owner so that we can uh, identify what is going on. But the crucial thing is that disincentives are provided uh, through the processes of prosecuting people and enforcing laws. And I think what this international conference was uh, saying, or speakers they were saying, as I was, uh, that uh, enforcement needs to take place on a much more assertive basis than it might be at the moment.